the Bible reading comes from uh, 1 John chapter 5 verses 13 to 21. John is writing to a group of Christians. We know that he knew them and he, he's writing to assure them of um, sound doctrine in, in the face of some other teachings. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. This is the confidence we have in approaching God that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sins does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. All wrongdoing is sin and there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. We know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by being in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Dear children, keep yourself from idols. Thanks, James. Got all my stuff. Welcome to church, so good to be here with you. Uh, my name is Miles, I have the great joy of being uh, the youth and young adults pastor here at Fig Tree and, um, and also the great joy of um, getting to speak with you this morning. Uh, we're in the middle of a series about prayer um, and we've been thinking about that as both a staff team and as a church to think about uh, what does it mean to be a church that prays, um, to be a church where we are um, engaging with God together, walking in the presence of God together. Uh, uh, one of the things that I, I'm, I'm a reader, so I read books um, quite regularly, and I really enjoy books, and it's a great way that I learn and engage with God. Um, Spurgeon says, um, read lots of books, but read the Bible most of all, and so that's good. Uh, all books help you engage with God, help you in a secondary way. Um, I have some freebies for you this morning. Ooh. Uh, I have two books. Uh, this one is short, and you might read. Um, because it's short. Uh, if you like this, you can come and see me after the service. It does come, it's not totally free. It comes with uh, the promise that you will have a cup of tea or a coffee with me that I will pay for. But it does come with, there's a catch, there's a catch with that one. Uh, that's a great book, an easy read. Uh, and this one, A Praying Life, um, which I read about two years ago, an absolute joy. And a few people from church have read and talked to me about. Um, yeah, two books that will help you, in, help you think about prayer and engage with God in that way. Freebies. Talk to me later. Alrighty. Let me pray and then we'll uh, jump in. Father, thank you so much for you. Thank you uh, that you are present with us, that you are big and we are small. Thank you that you are our Father. Thank you that you sent your Son to be our Lord and that uh, he sent his Spirit uh, to be with us, to be Lord present with us in every moment. And Father, we thank you for today. We look at your word and seek to understand you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
for uh, Alan what we're doing today. We're going to think about habits of the family, uh, then think about confidence to pray in verse 14 and 15 of what we just read. Love you to have your Bibles open to make sure I'm not making this stuff up. Uh, and then uh, verse 16 and 17 about praying for each other. First of all, habits of the family. There are uh, things that you do in your family or in your social group that you grew up in or, uh, or that you have now with your family that are habits of yours. And they are habits that uh, reveal things about you. They reveal the nature of your family. They reveal the nature of what you care about. They are continuous, regular things that you do that say, this is what we are as a family. Uh, for instance, uh, I grew up in a board game family. Uh, we played a lot of board games, a lot of card games, um, uh, which means that my family uh, valued mild to intense level of, levels of competition with each other. Uh, we loved um, beating each other to a pulp via our intellect. Uh, and we loved not talking to each other for several days afterwards because um, clearly that was the outcome of playing board games together. Mon- Monopoly destroys families. <laughs> you know it. If the aim of a game is to bankrupt people, it's not going well. But we have family. We have things we do as families. You have your family dinners. We watch particular sporting events, um, uh, bike riding, reading. Uh, my family played a lot of canasta. Um, we, uh, dancing. What do, you, what, do you do, what you do together reveals what your family is about, what you care about, what you are invested in, what you value. That family holiday that you take to that same place every year says we value time together and we value rest. Church is a family. What are our habits? What are the things we regularly do? What do they say about what we care about? What do our habits reveal about us? If you're a guest with us this morning, uh, you get to experience our family in a one-off moment. You get feedback to us. What do our habits reveal about us? Because we're kind of blind to them. What do the things we do regularly say about what we care about? Now we're going to jump into uh, 1 John 5 and to think about uh, the habits of God's people to give us a bit of a sense of what God's people are about. Jump into 1 John 5. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Now in, this, in these verses, we see some of the things that Ian and Shane have already picked up over the last couple of weeks about prayer. Particularly, prayer is intimacy with God. We see that in uh, we get to approach God in that verse. Uh, aligning our will with God, that we pray according to God's will. And surrendering dependence to God, that we, we ask things of God. When we're asking someone, we're acknowledging we can't do it ourselves. I want to focus on one of those in particular from that, uh, just to focus in on the idea of confidence we have in approaching God. Now, you can read this verse um, in an incredibly horrible way, I think. You can read this verse in a way that makes it sound like God is only listening to you when you say the right things. Can you see it? If we ask anything according to God's will, he hears us. Therefore, he tunes out when you're not asking what he wants you to ask for. That's not what this verse is exploring for us. What it's saying is, um, when they, that word that's used for hearing there uh, has a whole bunch of different meaning that hides behind it. Uh, but the idea of hearing means that God kind of leans in, that he responds, he engages, he responds in the affirmative to that. 
But to hear when we pray according to God's will, God is listening the whole time. God is listening to every word that we would say to him. God is listening to everything on our hearts, everything that we share with him, everything that we are fearful of, we are worried about, that we are concerned about. He is listening. When it talks about hearing, it carries the meaning of giving heed to, responding in the affirmative. Here's the confidence that we have. God is listening to you. That is wild. And he responds to you when you pray according to his will. That is amazing. The creator of the universe listens when you say words. The one who created all things simply by speaking words himself, the God who is Father, uh, Son who is our Lord and Holy Spirit who is God present with us, listens to you. That is astounding. That is not something to say cheaply. In my mind, I have this picture of um, God is spinning that ring that goes around Saturn while listening to me pray over here. He's holding up the whole universe. He's toying with the universe, but he's got time for you and me. He's got time to listen to us. We don't pray as slaves begging to be heard by a master We don't pray in fear that we are not being listened to. We pray from the place of a child to a father. The answers we get may be yes, no, and not yet. But we pray as a child to a father. 1 John 3.1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. See, church, every week when you gather in Bible studies, when you hang out with your family uh, who are followers of Jesus, they are little moments of a family, family reunion. A family reunion of God's children. Welcome to the family reunion. If you're not a part of this family, you can get adopted in. It's really simple. You don't have to bring anything. You can just turn up. God's already paid your entry fee. Welcome to the family. God listens to us, he hears us, and he gives to us according to his will. Now sometimes when, um, when we're praying with people, it's become part of a Christian kind of lingo that uh, according to his will kind of becomes like a, an insurance policy. We pray something big. God, move in this place. God, do this epic thing. God, please work in this area according to God's will. Because they want to get our hopes up, right? We want to just like limit our hearts at that point. But see, I don't think uh, John doesn't have that in there because it's a, a limiter of our will or like an insurance policy just in case we don't want to pray so many big things. It's a recognition of the moment that prayer is. And a recognition of this, that we're praying to God and actually, when you really think about it, we don't want God to answer all of our prayers. I don't want God to answer all of my prayers. Imagine if God answered every single thing you've ever said to him. What a nightmare of a world we would live in. What a scary thought. We don't want a God who does everything according to our will because at that point, then we become God 
and God becomes our vending machine of hopes. Humanity being God has happened once in history when Adam and Eve decided they would replace God and it didn't work out so well. The end result was we had to have Jesus come down and die to save humanity from itself. Humanity does not do a good job of being God. God is good at being God. Let him be God. I am thankful that he doesn't answer my prayers. I am thankful because they came from places of sin and immaturity. I don't want God to answer my prayers. I want to pray to God everything that comes to my heart and mind. But I also want to know that he's going to work in me and change me in the midst of that. Now, that helps us think about confidence walking towards God. Shane gave us a definition of prayer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, prayer is an expression of redeemed humanity. This morning we're thinking keenly, mainly about praying together. From a place of confidence that we get to pray, prayer is also a communal expression of redeemed humanity. See, when people become Christians and they come followers of Jesus, they enter into a relationship with God as Father, but they also join a family with the same Heavenly Father. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That is not just a nice title that Paul uses in his letters. He repeatedly says it over and over again to remind you. In this very passage, John says it uh, to remind us of our family tie. When you become a Christian, become a follower of Jesus, you are tied both vertically to God, but you also you become part of a family that you enter into. And what is the habit of our family? Um, whenever I'm meeting up with people and um, trying to walk alongside them with Jesus, and uh, I ask them, uh, as a Christian, how are you going with Jesus? I usually get one of four answers. It's very predictable. Yep. If you ever meet up with me again, you'll know not to say this now because I've ruined it, but one of four answers. One is, I should read the Bible more. Two is, I should pray more. Three is, I should go to church more. And four is, I should evangelize people more. This constant sense of owing. To focus in on prayer, prayer has become, uh, I think, a part of our Christian language, a KPI, a key performance indicator that we must maintain. The KPI thing wasn't a joke, but I've got to laugh. I love that. That's great. Um, it becomes an indicator of I'm, I'm successfully achieving this thing, an offering that we give to maintain the harmony of the relationship that we exist within. But the word doesn't sit it that way. It's not a KPI. It's not a thing you must offer. So when we think about it, John says, this is the confidence we have in approaching God. We get to approach God in prayer. We get to be with him. Prayer isn't something we must do as, as Christians, as children of God. Prayer is the experience of being a child of God. God listens and hears you. Following Jesus and not praying is like being given season tickets to that thing you like and never turning up. You already have the gift Enjoy it. Following Jesus and not praying is like accepting an invitation to a feast, turning up to the feast, taking your seat at the table and not eating. You're already there. You're not working harder at this. Enjoy the gift. It has been given. The invitation has been accepted. Prayer isn't the work we do to maintain. It is the blessing we enjoy as the children of God. We us together as a family. The goal we have for everyone praying 
is have I prayed with someone this week? We're not asking you to work harder with this goal. We're helping you to think about what it actually means to just live as a person who follows Jesus in the context of a family of brothers and sisters in Christ. Praying together is our habit. It is what defines us as us. Prayer together as the adopted siblings talking to our father. Um, I have children, and my kids, um, it turns out, they don't have to talk to me once a day for 15 minutes to be my kids. They don't have to get up at 6am at a particular time and settle in uh, and be silent as I talk back to them to be my kids. Because they are my kids, we chat. We argue, we banter, we encourage. Prayer is not a burden upon us. It is the opportunity and joy and a gift that we have been given. Prayer isn't the task to become family. Prayer together is the blessing we enjoy together because we are God's family. So, prayer together is how we walk together in intimacy with God. Prayer together is how we align ourselves as a community with God's will, not our own. And prayer together is how we depend on God together. So the question becomes, what do we pray? 1 John leads us in this. 1 John 5. If you see my brother or sister, or see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. I refer to those whose sin does not lead to death. There is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying that you should pray about that. Now, even as I just read that out loud, there's clearly some exegetical nightmare there. And it turns out all the really nerdy Bible guys also disagree a bit on this passage. I'm going to give you the Miles Elton version from reading a few commentaries, which I think is the simplest and and most likely option. If you see any brother or sister commit a sin that does not lead to death, you should pray and God will give them life. That seems clear. But as a family, when we see each other in strife, when we see each other being led astray, when we see each other living in disobedience, when we see each other sin against God, as brothers and sisters in Christ, we pray for each other. That is our first act of care. Now, for those whose sin um, uh, does not lead to death, well, that's us as believers in Christ. See, because as a Christian, Christians sin, but your sin does not lead to death because Jesus already paid for your death. Jesus already paid the, the payment for what you will commit. So as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our sin does not lead to death. Our sin is still bad. Our sin is still not good. It still causes hurt. It hurts others and it hurts ourselves. But our sin does not lead to death. Jesus has paid the death for us. So what John is separating here is um, when you see a brother or sister, one who is in the faith, we pray that God will give them life. There is sin, however, that leads to death. And that is if you are not a follower of Jesus. And our prayer for you is not that God will give you life. Our prayer for you is that you would find Jesus. That Jesus would meet you and, and give you life in him. And so it separates the two. Now, with all that kind of cleared up. The thing we learn from this, I think most of all for the community of God, for the family of God, is this. Our primary act of care is to bring each other in prayer to our Father. See, it turns out, in the family of God, 
telling on your siblings is a good idea. Other families, not so much. My kids come and whinge to me. One of them's in the room, it's a bit wild. My kids come and whinge to me. The other kid, I'm like, have you talked to them about it? I don't really want to hear it right now. Um, uh, but the Father, our Father in heaven, we're to tell him about the stuff we see our brothers and sisters doing. We're to pray for them. Why? Because he is the one that actually brings transformation. He is the one that is doing good in them. See, sometimes when we see others in strife as a part of the family, our first act of care is to talk to others about that person. Too true? Sometimes our act of care is to talk to them to tell them to stop. And sometimes our act of care or lack of care is to pretend it didn't happen and ignore the sin. Third option, not an option. First two, there are times within Scripture, these aren't bad options, there are times within Scripture where we are encouraged to do that. There's a right place and a wisdom to think about how you interact with brothers and sisters in terms of sin. But, this passage leads us to think our first act of care and love, our first step forward in action and love towards another person within the, within the family is to pray for them. Because God brings transformation. God brings life. No matter how good we are at loving those around us, God will always be better at it. And the best thing we can possibly do for each other is to bring each other in prayer to God. That is our first act of love, prayers of truth for them. I know what your experience is um, uh, praying for people in different places, different spaces. Um, uh, I used to be the one that said, when people would like, share something with me, I was like, I'll pray about that later. Turns out I just never did. Um, and so I've stopped saying that, now I just pray with them in the moment. I go, you want to pray that? I'll pray about that right now. We can do that. Because I know me, and I'm going to forget. And so, I just pray for people in that second, in that moment. I remember, um, uh, one of the reasons I do that is because uh, the first time my youth pastor ever prayed with me, I remember it really distinctly. Um, uh, we were sitting in a cafe, um, I was 16, um, and he said, alright, let's pray. And I said, dude, there's other people here. We're not praying. That's a weird thing to do. Um, he kind of just looked at me and ignored me and said, no, nah, we're praying. And in that moment, uh, he taught me, uh, he, brought, he taught me the habit of the family. He said, this is, we're in the family of God, this is what we do. We pray. He helped lead me to Jesus. He helped, uh, he helped me uh, walk in intimacy with God. He aligned, helped me align with God's will. He helped me depend on God as he prayed for the things that I had shared as we chatted over the lovely flat white. He taught me the habit of family. I mean, any, any habit that you have is weird the first time and it takes time to get used to. But I wonder, would you take the opportunity to be family to each other? I had a wonderful um, old Christian man when I was a bit younger and I first, um, first had Lucy, my, my daughter, and, um, uh, and he told me you should pray with your kids when they're little so that when they get to being teenagers, it's no longer weird. That habits, they feel just weird and odd because they're not our normal thing until they become our habits, our regular thing that we do. Become a part of what we do. Um, when you see that we're trying to get 10% of the congregation here um, before church um, uh, to pray, that's a habit that we're putting in as a family. 
Um, if you're a bit like me, and you're like I've got young kids, I barely get to church on time, let alone half an hour early. We love you. You can pray in the car on the way. You can have the habit of praying for church on the way. And then you're also ticking the question off, have you prayed with someone? You can do two at once. You guys are nailing that goal. All of us can do this in any space that we exist. Would you take the opportunity to be family to each other? Would you take the opportunity to draw each other closer to Jesus? To help each other walk intimately with him? To align with his will? And to depend on him more than ever before? Would you? Not as a burden... Not as a guilt trip. This is who we are. We're the family of God. You're just chatting with your brothers and sisters to your dad. Would you take the opportunity to be family to each other today? Let me pray. Father, thank you for you. Thank you that you are with us and you're at work in us. Thank you that you're at work in our church. And thank you most of all, we live in light of the gospel. We live in light of the good news that you have lived, died and come back that we might have life in you beginning now. Father, thank you so much as our King and as our Lord that we may follow you and sit in your care. And Father, as a community, help us to be those who would love each other by praying for each other, whether to each other or quietly beside each other. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be for each other in you. In Jesus' name, Amen.